It was Christmas Eve. I was nine years old. Me and Mom were, were decorating the tree, waiting for Dad to come home from work. A couple hours went by. Dad wasn't home. Mom called the office. No answer. Christmas Day came and went, and still nothing. So the police began a search. Four or five days went by. Neither one of us could eat or sleep. Everything was falling apart. It was snowing outside. The house was freezing, so I went to try to light up the fire. And that's when I noticed the smell. Firemen came and broke through the chimney top. And me and Mom were expecting them to pull out a dead cat or a bird. And instead, they pulled out my father. He was dressed in a Santa Claus suit. He'd been climbing down the chimney on Christmas Eve. His arms loaded with presents. He was going to surprise us. He slipped and broke his neck. Died instantly. And that's how I found out there was no Santa Claus. Blood and Black Rum Podcast presents the Festivus Series, Year 3. Back better than ever. With your favorite Christmas movies like The Santa Claus 3, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 5, Black Christmas, the 2019 remake you didn't ask for, and more. Tune in all December long for the Festivus series from your favorite podcast, Blood and Black Rub. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Crown Podcast. I'm Ryan from Coldsploitation.com, and I'm joined by my co-host, Martin. How's it going? We're back with another episode of our Festivus series. Uh, we've been doing this for three years now, as our intro suggests. And uh, we had said last time on the show that we were going to do Black Christmas, uh, the remake, if we could see it this week. Well, it turns out that we overestimated when Black Christmas was actually releasing. Um... It's not releasing until December, what did we say, December like 15th or something like that? 13th, it's coming out on Friday the 13th. Oh yeah, 13th, that's right, December 13th. So there's no possible way that we could have seen it for this week's episode, because it didn't happen. I honestly thought the, the trailer I said said coming in like November 28th or something. I thought it was earlier too, but I guess we just, I don't know. I don't know why I blame we thought. Bl- I blame Blumhouse. You blame Blumhouse for yes. it? It's mm. all them. It's all their fault. I don't really know why we thought that, but we were mistaken, and we didn't end up being able to see it. But we're, you know, we're going with the next best thing because we had a a few films on the docket, and we weren't sure what we we're gonna try to do. But we decided to go with the Joe Dante film. I'll call it Joe Dante, even though Chris Columbus wrote the script for it. The, Chris, uh, I'm, I am convinced Chris Columbus is just a made-up man. You think so? He's just a made-up man, a figment of our imagination. Possibly. I don't know. Um, but we went with the Joe Dante seasonal classic, Gremlins, from 1984. 
What a time to be alive. If anything, you can call it a Spielberg film. That's true. It is a Spielberg film at heart. And Spielberg is in it for a little bit. And the executive produced it. He did. Uh, And this was like right on the tail of uh, The Twilight Zone as well. Twilight Zone the movie. Mm -hmm. And Poltergeist. Yep. Um, So, you know, definitely infused with all of those same ideas. Um, the Gremlins, Do- I say Temple of Doom. Yeah, there's a nice advertisement that pops up in um, for indie, right? Yeah, the- it, it's like an in- Indiana Jones type advertisement. Um, I forget what it's for, but it's like just like some sort of ad for a company or something like that that has an Indiana Jones type guy on it. And to be honest with you, the the city setting looks a lot very familiar to looks a lot like the Back to the Future town. Yeah, kind of. It's just missing the clock tower. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Gremlins. I don't know if a lot of people think of Gremlins as a Christmas movie, but I know I always do. If Die Hard's a Christmas movie, then well, and the, then why can't Krem, uh, Gremlins be? And one reason why Gremlins mm-hmm. always stands out to me as a Christmas movie is uh, that scene with Phoebe Cates expressing her uh, dissatisfaction with Christmas because her father died coming down the chimney on Christmas has always stuck with me since I've seen this movie. Because it's out of place. It's a very weird, <laughs> especially in where it actually occurs in the film. You know what that scene needed? Like, sp- screams like, you know, like in the background. Like, you know, like, ah! you know, and like Vietnam gunfire. Like she's as she's having her flashback. Yeah. That's what, that's what that needed. That's, that's, it always sticks out to me too because I, th- I always felt like it happened earlier in the film. You know, as they're starting to as as, as uh, Phoebe Kate's character is starting to get to know, um, what's his name, Billy? Yeah, Billy. And uh, I don't have any internet, so I I don't have like IMDb <laughs> to look at in front of me, unfortunately. Um, but that always stuck out to me because I thought it happened earlier in the film. But watching it again, I realized no, it happens very late in the film. It happens after. You know, the gremlins have already uh, broken out of their cocoon. They've metamorphosed. Um, well, not only that, too, the, just, uh, I, I mean, I remember it, too, being, like, earlier in the film. But not only that, like, it's so, like, her, like, dislike of Christmas is only, like, very vaguely touched upon. Like, she just, like, just doesn't like Christmas. And it's just, like, just... Kind of flippantly brought up. Yeah, that's what happens like early on in the film where he's talking about, you know, I thought everybody loved Christmas. I thought, you know, it was the happiest time of the year. And she's like, no, no, I don't love Christmas. Yeah, you know, that's my life story. I'm a Scrooge. I'm I'm Phoebe. And he gets pissed at him for, you know, and he doesn't know why. He's just his happy-go-lucky self. I get a, I get a rare animal for Christmas. What did you get? (laughs) I got my dad died. It's kind of that's our childhood Christmases. You mean like I, look at all the things I got? Me, I, mean, I didn't get anything. Yeah, you insensitive bastard. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that always stuck out to me because I always thought that happened earlier in the film. It doesn't. It happens way late in the film after like the conflict is already ongoing. It's a weird time for that to come up, but it always has stuck out to me. 
And that's why Gremlins to me has always been a Christmas movie. Not the, all the fucking decorations and no, Christmas songs. I mean, that certainly does stick out as well, but it never was like the reason why I remembered Gremlins. The reason <clears> why I remembered Gremlins was because Phoebe Kate's dad died <laughs> at Christmas time. I will say the opening Christmas song, you know, Christmas, da, da, that one must have Christmas. Yeah. I feel like that was like the big blockbuster, like Christmas song to like everything until fucking Mariah Carey came steamrolling through with all I want for it's Christmas. Pretty popular Christmas song, um, "Baby, Please Come Home." Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a big one. Because um, now now it's just nothing but fucking Mariah twenty four seven. No, you know what? It's still used though. It's still in use today. Um, Christmas with the Cranks uses it. To great effect as Blair comes home. <laughs> so, yeah, it's still in use. But I'm not saying it's not in use. I'm saying it's just become a lot less popular. You supplant like it's it a, with uh, Mariah Carey. Yeah, unfortunately. Or uh, Kelly Clarkson Christmas songs now. She has Christmas songs? Yeah, she does Christmas songs too. That sucks. It's basically screaming, screeching. Like Kelly Clarkson screeching. <laughs> I you know what? I might rather listen to Kelly Clarkson's Christmas songs over fucking Buble. Those the, are strong words. Or the Grobinator. Those are strong words. Well, you know what? <laughs> I don't know if I would say that. I would. Can we import Michael Buble back to Canada? <laughs> I think that's called exporting. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, he spends all his time in fucking America now. He's practically American. He's ruined... ruined uh, the holiday season with his music. He's got to go back to his cave. Um, all right, let's take a quick break to talk about because we got a we got a biggest big ass beer on the show today. Um, one that we've never had before, and one that I've never even ventured out to try to get. Um, well, I think it's the first year they've done this one. Yeah, the first year that they've done this one. Um, I'm talking about. Goose Island's Black Friday specials, uh, they do a special um, beer release for Black Friday, where they release like four or five different Bourbon County ba- uh, beers, where they've uh, used their Bourbon County recipe, and then they go a step further with a different blend of uh, you know ingredients within that Bourbon County beer. And it must just be kind of starting to migrate over here to the capital region of new york because i've seen just the regular bourbon county before i've never seen any variety on it so i don't know if the variety is a new thing this year or if it's finally like hey it's selling enough to where you know we can kind of you know push out some more yeah i'm not sure um i don't know if they've changed it around a little bit where they're releasing it um specially here uh, I, I know that I've never really tried to go out and find it, so um, this was the first year for that. Well, neither one of us are big Goose Island fans. That's true, too. I'm not a big Goose Island fan. Uh, from what I've had of the other types of beers that they make, not a huge fan. Um, but the one that I did get, because the uh, beer specials are $25 a bottle for a 12-ounce bottle. Uh, so you can't really, I can't really afford to go and grab all of them. My wife would look at me funny. She already mentioned that she thought it was a mistake when the bottle rang up twenty four ninety nine. 
the best part about that is too, I get to see her reaction. Like, oh, that, that doesn't look great. Oh, oh. <laughs> I was like, she was like, I think, I think that's a, I think the beer that you got is a mistake. I think they rang it up as like a crate. No, no. That's one bottle. One bottle for twenty five dollars. So I I got one bottle. Um, and the bottle that I got is the Cafe Dalla. Which is a coffee-infused beer. Fancy. With orange and cinnamon. And so, what you get when you first take a sip of this beer, uh, you get the nice dark chocolate flavor. Which is sort of unexpected, because you're probably thinking, oh, I'm going to get a coffee, a nice coffee flavor to it. And that's not what you're getting. You're getting a very heavy dark chocolate flavor first and then you're getting an orangish flavor second which is sort of like a chocolate orange or something like that you know if you've ever had one of those uh whack and unwrap chocolate oranges that's kind of like what this beer tastes like in a way but then you also get uh an alcohol f- taste to it because it's a pretty heavy beer at 13 something 13.5 percent uh and then on the end of it you get a like a molasses sweetness to it to round it all out i don't know that i would say that i get a huge amount of coffee flavor to it or cinnamon no definitely no cinnamon (laughs) either i don't really taste cinnamon on that maybe they mislabeled the bottle (laughs) <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, do, I don't get a huge cinnamon flavor. To in hind- that's, that's for sure. I was going to say, in hindsight, I mean, I was really surprised as was, we were talking before the podcast about how dark chocolatey it was. Wasn't really expecting that. Mm-hmm. But in hindsight, it makes, you know, now it makes sense because an orange coffee flavored stout, that'd just be fucking weird. When you're drinking co- your coffee, do you ever say, like, you know what go good with this? Some orange zest. Not really. Yeah. I don't think I've ever said that before. Might make the coffee curdle the the cream you put in there. I mean, I like orange flavoring, so I don't know that it would be terrible. But yeah, this doesn't have a huge amount of coffee flavor to it. It's it's more so the orangey, chocolatey, um, molasses flavor that you get. And it's actually pretty... I would say the layering of all of that is pretty complex as you work through it. And again, this is a sipping beer. This is not something that you are going through fast. I'm I, I we only had half a glass apiece, and still we're still like working on it slowly. Well, this the te- is, I was say the texture of it's kind of like sludge. Yeah, it is. It's like it's a, it's very, a very viscous, very thick beer. Yeah, um, I agree. It's I I mean it is surprisingly complex. Like I said before, I mean I've had the regular bourbon county before like a couple years ago my sister got it for me to try and i remember liking it um i think i remember liking thinking it was like a pretty good stop i didn't think it was that like complex or great or anything um i do really appreciate and enjoy the dark chocolate flavors and that hint of orange um it's very much so like a nice like dark like a fancy like dark chocolate candy bar that you'd get with like oh it's the orange flavored one with like either the hint of orange or like the little cream of orange in the middle uh the coffee and cinnamon's nowhere really to be found so like i said it's kind of mislabeled but i don't think that's really that big of a problem because i think overall 
the taste and flavors that you get within this beer are delightful in and of itself. It's a delightful dessert beer. Would I ever buy it? No. <laughs> Not at 25 bucks a 12, 12 ounce uh, bottle. But that being said, if you're like Ryan and you're a little bit more of a bougie bastard, go right for it. Yeah, I mean, if you have the money to pick up, pick it up. You know, I I had to choose between the ones that I saw, so I didn't I didn't get every single one of them. Obviously, um, the man would have jumped with joy. He would have he would have helped. You know, like I'll get a six pack for you to put it put it in. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you and you're limited here to one beer, one one of of each a piece. Even so, I don't know how many people are going out and they're like, I'll take all five. You know, I'll, I'll take five bottles at $25 a bottle. That's a lot. So I couldn't stomach spending that much on beer, beer that day. So, yeah. Especially on hearty stouts that you're going to be like, woof. After having one, like, I'll have another in a month. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. you're not going to have them all. Probably by the third one, back. you're like, you know what? I'm just going to put this away for a while, and uh, I'll get back to it later. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to have them all back to back. But definitely, you know, check them out if you get a chance. Check one out. Um, the Cafe de Ola is pretty good, so I definitely would recommend checking this one out. I can't speak for the others, but I'm impressed, and I think, you know, next year I'll probably check out a different one um or you know in the future if they're still laying around maybe i'll grab a different one you know oh they will be yeah they don't seem to fly off the shelves around here with this uh we got founders kentucky bourbon stout and canadian bourbon stout and just the bur- uh, goose island regular bourbon barrels from different vintages sitting around our stores because everyone looks at that price and like ooh, yeah ugh. that is true all right, you ready to talk about Gremlins? Sure. All right, so you said you haven't seen Gremlins that much. You've only seen it like a couple times in your life. Yeah, like two or three times. Um, did you have good memories of it, bad memories of it? How'd you, how'd you feel about Gremlins before you went into watching this today? Yeah, I liked it. It's, it's like I said, I've been, it's been a while. Probably since like maybe early teens. Um, I feel like for a while they used to run on the USA Network a lot. Yeah, I think they they did play it for at least for the holidays quite a bit. Um, or AMC, something or the other. I know for me, I mean, I've seen it fairly recently. I wouldn't say I saw it like you know just the other day, but uh, I saw I saw I watched it fairly recently. I think a couple of years ago for Christmas time, and um, pretty much still holds up like I remember it. It's a, it's a horror comedy. Um, you know, it's a family affair, although I would say that Gremlins has quite a few, you know... Pushing the border. Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, it's uh, it's it tends to be on the violent side, especially towards its little gremlins that uh, cause mischief towards the middle part of the film. No wonder, uh, <clears throat> as we talked about before, excuse me, uh, on the podcast about the rating system, no wonder why shortly after this film... Another film that helped create the PG-13 rating. Because yeah. it's, I would not consider this a modern PG film. No, no, definitely not. It's, I would say PG-13 for sure on this one. Um, it's definitely pushing the limit for what kids are probably should be watching. Um, and I, I think the way that 
I, I guess the way that it treats death and violence in the film is a little bit more childish than what you would expect from some other PG-13 movies. In this case, it kind of just cleans over. It's just like, yeah, that happened. You know, uh, that gremlin got blended up into a nice bloody paste. <laughs> yeah, I think you mentioned it when we were watching. the The biggest uh, death that uh, has really no calling to it is uh, the science teacher who's been doing experiments on the Mogwai when um, Billy t- brings his in, uh, his, like his duplicate in uh, to the science classroom. Uh, that guy is just kind of like killed off. He's under. He's he's shown like you can't see his head. He's underneath like a cabinet or something like that. And he's just there's like no mention of it afterwards. It's just like yeah, the science teacher died. Just kind of yes, it's bloodless, but it's still pretty violent. And uh, you're it, it kind of leaves more open to the imagination actually uh, to think like what about happened? what happened. Like what happened to him? Did it end up like the Twilight? Uh, not the Twilight Zone. Creep show where like the box like something like underneath them like ate it his head or something. And not only that, but he's also stabbed with that syringe. Mm-hmm. So there's like a secondary element to it. Like, what was it? What did he get stabbed with? Um, I, then I think it opens up even more possibilities for like people's imaginations to run wild with it. So, but yeah, there's no callback to that science teacher dying. It's just like, yeah, that guy, he's gone. Billy's not even phased by. It. It's just like. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, he's just like, oh man, they escaped. They got out. I like to think that um, this movie was created because Chris Columbus and Steven Spielberg were sitting down one day. They were watching Return of the Jedi, and they were watching the whole Jabba's palace with Salacious Crumb going <laughs> the entire time behind Jabba, and like, we should fucking make a movie like that. But, uh, of a creature that just does that all the time. Yeah, it just runs around. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's basically the the gremlins. The gremlins that you know after they get uh, after they get, are feeding after midnight. That's basically what they turn into. They just turn into like they're not even gremlins. Aren't even really like violent for the sake of being violent. They're just like mischievous all the time. They just want to cause mischief, whatever it is. They're like. Go to a bar and mess around, mess up all the shit in the bar. Sounds fun. Go see Snow White and the Seven Doors. Why not? Yeah, cut, cut. somebody's car breaks. It's fun. That's and that's basically what they are. They're basically gremlins. The adult, like the aged gremlins, are cats, but they're even more assholes <laughs> with more purpose to them. Like the gremlins seem to know what they're doing. Like. One thing that I find interesting is that they tend to adopt, like, the people tendencies, human tendencies. So, like, they, like, already understand, like, I need to wear a nice little gremlin hat and earmuffs and go caroling. Uh, You know what's really popular to do in bars? Drink and smoke. Heavily. They pick up on it really quickly. They're, like, the, uh, the epitome of, like, evolution. They can read, like, right away. They're just, like, you know... When they go see that one uh, woman, the neighbor, that's Billy's like arch nemesis, like Disney villain type. <laughs> I'm going to kill your dog. Um, basically, I love that too. That no one's even phased when she's in the bank threatening him, like I'm going to put that dog in a dryer and I'm going to put him on high tumble and he's going to be dead. No, no one actually, that. no one's phased. There's a guy that chimes in, like that'll do it. Yep. That'll kill that. I, I from experience. <laughs> What? Funny story. One time I accidentally put the pooch in the dryer. 
The way this movie then I, you know, violence, to, to really get back at him, I hung that dog out on the clothesline to try. Yeah, you know, that'll show him. But I was same Billy thing I- too with the dog, like fucking tied up into the outside in the cold with the Christmas, Christmas lights. lights. Yeah. yeah, that's that's gruesome. But they're like afterwards, they show him like all dried up and like Billy kissing him. Like, oh, he, he was almost a, he was almost a dog sickle. He's fine. He's fine. Not a dog sickle. He's almost a hangman. Well, that's what he said, though. He yeah. said he was almost turned into a dog sickle. It's like, the dog was, ha- like, I don't know. Yeah, he was hanging, basically. They're, he's lucky that, like, the gremlins didn't throw the dog out the window. They, it's more like they just tied him up. They didn't actually throw the dog out the window and break his neck. Well, you're right. They are like cats. You're like, hey, don't do that. Especially, don't do that. And especially then just fucking in the do beginning, it. when they're when they're still like the regular Mogwai, when they haven't yeah. eaten after uh, midnight, um, because like they have that sort of cat tendency, where uh, especially the ones that are have uh, spawned off of uh, Gizmo, uh, they are like rambunctious cats. They're just when they're in their box, and they're like. <laughs> Um, that, that's fu- that's a fucking cat. Like, that's like cats all the time. That's Bart sitting around going, Meow. yeah, just being assholes Meow. and getting into things, making a mess. That's that's a cat. So gremlins initially start out as innocent cats, and then they become larger, more violent cats when they get older. Um, I like the films. What I would what I would say is like a deviation from both horror and comedy. Like it's got a, a nice smattering of both that works pretty well in this movie. Um, because you know sometimes it's taking itself seriously, sometimes it's not. There's a gr- that great scene where they have the '80s uh, <laughs> montage montage with the gremlin d- dressed up in like his leggings and. Uh, Which it, it was pretty cool because uh, Flashdance came out, I think, in like eighty two or eighty three. Yeah, they were so. they were very quickly uh, on top of that yeah, one. Like this, yeah. is, this is going to be meme worthy. Yeah, it's awesome. That's a that that right there sticks out, especially years later when they're like, wow, they were really able to recognize like what was going to be sort of goofy looking later you, on. You can kind of consider Gremlins kind of going back to the whole Twilight Zone connection with John, uh, Joe Dante and John Landis, more child friendly. Where uh, American Werewolf in London. Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah. With, with its effects in, like, black horror comedy. Yeah. But it's more, you know, suited, like, for the family. Yeah, it is, yeah. It is a, it, it's, it is a black comedy in some ways. I mean, there, it, it. I mean, how, like how you said, how Phoebe Kate's dad died. That's, that's comedic in of itself. Oh, yeah. How Billy did it br- burst out laughing on the scene. Like, I'm sorry, that's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Really? Like, how would Billy not know that? Didn't they live in the same town their entire lives? Right, that her dad One that made, like, from that page news. not front page news. News. Yeah. Unlucky fucker gets, you know, stuck in a chimney and breaks his neck. Man Child mourns. Be, yeah. Man <laughs> pretends to be Santa Claus. Dies on Christmas. <laughs> I, I, I think the film is fairly funny, though. Um, it does have black comedy. has regular comedy to it, too. It's got some of the slapstick elements that... Um, it's got I, good racist comedy. Yeah, it does. Yeah, you know, the whole fucking don't like buy American, don't buy foreign, all the foreign things. Not only foreign that, things don't work. But just like the uh, what I would call the like 
mysticism of the Orient. Well, that, like I said, that was like a big thing, like the mid '80s. Like when you think about it, like you know, like okay, I feel like so, it was a big Spielberg thing. Well, you had, <laughs> yeah, well, because you had like the okay, you had the Indiana Jones films, like Temple of Doom. You had the Golden Child with Eddie Murray. You had Big Trouble in Little China. You had like yeah. a bunch of films coming out like around that time period that were like were you just know co-opting the uh, you know Asian experience. Yeah, yeah, and in this one though, you know, at least they come back to that. And it's not just like a plot point at the beginning of the film, like, hey, yeah, Asian people and their weird magic. And then they leave it at that. No, they, it comes back at the end and they're like, you white people, you're not, you're not ready for this. Which is, you know what, that's actually one of the best parts about like uh, Big Trouble in Little China is just fucking Kurt Russell being like, you know, just lost, totally lost about what's him and Kim Cattrall just being like, what the fuck's going on here? Right. The entire time. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. And here, you know, you also have that element of, like, people messing around with things that they don't understand, not following the rules. To be fair, though, there wasn't really that much that Billy could have done in this scenario. He accidentally spilled water. Well, actually, Corey Feldman actually accidentally spilled water on Gizmo. And then they tricked Billy into feeding them after midnight. So they're give- he's coming down. No, no he deserved hard. it. He deserved it. He deserved it. You saw that plate of fried chicken. That yeah. this fa- this family is so well off. They have a giant plate of fried chicken just sitting in the goddamn fridge. Just wait. I think waiting what you mean for is it just to, waiting for salmonella. Just waiting for it to spoil. You know, it's not covered or anything. No, this, this it's plate just, of chicken is just, just out in the open. This fried chicken just sitting in the fridge. You know, like up. Oh, we made so much goddamn fried chicken. You know what? It's just gonna throw it in the fridge, not cover it or anything. Just you know, we'll fuck, we'll microwave it later. One of Dad's shitty microwave inventions, you know. It's you know, really seal that flavor in. No, I'll give it to the fucking mold. Why? <laughs> That's probably why they didn't hadn't made it yet because the microwave doesn't work. So actually, you know what? We we find out <laughs> that it does work because that's how one of the gremlins a little too well. Yeah. Where one of the gremlins is completely. But no, I don't like that. After that, I know I don't feel bad for him at all. Like you left a whole plate of fried chicken just sitting in your fridge. You know, no, that's inexcusable. I don't blame him so much, but he comes down on him pretty hard at the end. You're like, you're not ready for this responsibility of having a mogwai. Which, to be fair, like it, a little bit more explanation of the rules would have been good for them. Like. Well, the kid, well, because the kids, I mean, to be fair, the guy didn't even want to sell the Mogwai to begin with. He's like, not for sale. Ancient Chinese demon. No. But the kid's like, we fucking need the money. Come on, we're doing a back alley deal. And he's just like, hey, just so you know, don't get them wet, don't put them to the light, and don't feed it after midnight. Because you're right, because when you, you, as you said, like, there should be an explanation of the rules. And when they say, don't feed it after midnight, okay, till when? Till sunrise, till six a.m. the appropriate till five a.m. You know, time. like why after midnight? You know, what's the biological synthesis of yes. eating after midnight? Can they not absorb the fat content? <laughs> the chicken, so they have to go into hibernation. That, that would have been great, actually. You feed them the fried chicken, and they just, like, diarrhea all over the floor. <laughs> like, oh, God damn, you, God damn it, Stripe, you got diarrhea all over the floor. Yeah, they're like, don't feed them after midnight. They just shit everywhere. 
Nothing else. I mean, that's it. Just, it's the rest just a the, rule for your own the, benefit. The rest of the movie is just Billy and Phoebe Cates with like some 409 and some resolve on the like cleaning it up on the carpet, like sitting there scrubbing away. Like, God, this diarrhea just won't go away. <laughs> the diarrhea just won't go away. Um, so. We get a lot of gremlin effects throughout the film. What do you think of the the gremlin effects that for I guess for both for for the early Mogwai who haven't changed into their final form yet, and then the later ones that are actually the bad guys, the bad. I still think it holds up. I, th- I think they did a pretty good job with like the uh, puppeteering and like some of the stop motion effects that they used. Yeah, I think the, the puppeteering is pretty good. Um, Sometimes you can see like the um like the stop motion that they were using, especially when they uh create the whole lesion of uh gremlins that are mm-hmm. on the street. Like booking it down. They're like, kinda like yeah. walking down the street with with purpose. Yeah. <laughs> um that you can kind of see the stop motion on, but I think for the most part the other elements of the uh the motion and puppeteering is really good. Um, I'd much rather, even if it was very flawed, I'd much rather see that than see a CGI like said, yeah. a CGI horde of gremlins w- walking with purpose down the road. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they were though. They were walking. They're like it's kind of like in the Santa Claus when the elves are leading with Santa Claus walking down the street with purpose to uh, ZZ Top. ZZ Top. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like that. Um. Yeah, I think they did a really good job, especially in those like more chaotic scenes, like in the bar where they have a lot of different things going on in one scene. You know, you've got gremlins playing cards, and you've got gremlins spinning on fans, and you've got um, swinging around yeah. on like the lights and whatnot. Yeah, I think they did a really good job with that, um, and it does still hold up. I think they, you know, the puppeteering is really good. This is really interesting because it kind of. S- is like an early precursor to Furbies. It is. I, you know, I think they're. Um, it looks like they're like the like Gizmo's like the inspiration for Furbies. Yeah, yeah because like in the film, uh, Billy's dad comes downstairs after the the gremlins have multiplied, and like every kid in America is going to want one of these. And I was like, Do you know what? You just foreshadowed Furby because they did want him for. Our young listeners out there, Ryan, why don't you tell us what uh, Furbies were? Furby was like a pet that you didn't actually have to take care of, and you could just keep it around, and it would had like a little beak-like thing that. I was gonna say that you you're being very, <clears throat> excuse me, non-specific. That also would like include a tamagotchi. Tamagotchi, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this was an actual um, stuffed animal that you could keep along with you. I think they had like they were like motion. They had motion. They they could. I think they talked Linked a little bit, right? Yeah. Like I never had one actually. I my don't... sister had one. My younger sister and my. I remember my parents at like because they came out like either ninety eight or ninety nine. Yeah. And I, my younger sister got one. I just remember beforehand listening to like my mom bitch like you know how fucking long we had to like look for one of these goddamn things. Yeah, they were flying off the shelves. They were. Um... That was like literally Jingle All the Way. The late nineties version of Tickle Me Elmo. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was like that where like it was like everybody wanted a Furby, so you couldn't get one. Just And then there was like a couple years later, like there was all kinds of Furbies on the shelves. No one wanted them. They were a quick fad that faded out of existence. Power of marketing, man. Yeah. 
see one fucking commercial after watching all that. You're like, I gotta have one! So you think somebody watched Gremlins and they were like... That's a great idea, yeah. A really cute fucking little I guy that... All kids are gonna want a little Howie Mandel furry thing. It's funny because, like, they did make Gizmo as a, like, a doll that you could have. And I remember, you know, my, um, my wife's mom had one. Like a little gizmo that you could get. But Furbies were the rage. Well, they probably were back in the 80s. We just weren't alive for yeah, that. Yeah, probably, probably, yeah. Um, what do you think about the Christmas in Gremlins? Um, did they do enough? Did they s- literally, pun intended, spruce it up? <laughs> they did enough for me. Yeah. I mean, hell, the film opens up with Christmas! Yeah, I, th- I think um, it's interesting. I... Watching this again, I was like, wow, this is really a Christmas movie. This isn't, like, on the cusp like I had thought it was prior to watching it. It's really a Christmas movie. It's You know, if you consider, like, Home Alone a Christmas movie, which I always do, but you could, you could also see Home Alone as just happening at Christmas, um, then Gremlins is a Christmas movie, too. Because it's, it's very much involved with Christmas. There's tons of Christmas decorations and things happening in it. Hell, I'm convinced Lethal Weapon stole the uh, tree scene, the tree getting scene from Gremlins. Yeah, right. <laughs> There's a also a great movement moment with the tree where the Gremlin pops out of the tree and tackles yeah. Billy's mom. And uh, that's a nice she's thing. smart too. She grabs two knives and like fucking running around like you know. Yeah, you can see that. Well, actually, she's a great fighter throughout the whole thing. But you can see that thought process. She, like, grabs one knife. She's like, wait a second. I might need a couple. Did you like that nice uh, psycho homage they did with her, like, stabbing the one gremlin? Yeah. You know, like, they didn't do the music cue, but, you know, it was clearly her way they had her chopping away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's a a great scene, actually. Uh, That's a, you know, it's interesting because throughout most of the film, you know, Bill, n- none of the parents actually are really like, uh, I guess I would say like um, breadwinners in this. Because as you said, Billy is the one that brings home the the money, really. Well, because dad his is dad's just a poor man's uh, John Candy in planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah. He's got too much shit he's going a, on. He's a terrible inventor. It also makes me think of two of like Stu Pickles from Rugrats. He's like, this is the latest, greatest thing from Pickles, you know, toy line. And it's like some weird contraption that everyone's like, what the fuck is this thing? You know, he he just needs to pick something and just perfect that. He's got too many inventions going on. But what I like about the mom in this is that they they didn't make her like a mom that was just like, I only do the dishes. I don't know what to do. There's, there's five gremlins in my kitchen. I don't know what to do with them. Uh, no, she like went right into action. She's like, I'm pushing one into the fucking blender. I'm putting one in the microwave. I'm s- stabbing one and launching another into the fire. Yeah, she did a great job in that. It's an excellent job, mom. And only with a scratch to the face to to show for it too. It's a good job. But yeah, no, it is weird because like, uh, just because Billy's like a bank teller yet they still you know live a nice life where they have this nice house plates of fried chicken that was the uh, appeal of the 80s the reagan years you can literally neither uh parent 
needs to work at all. And you could still have a nice house. And well, the dad works. He just sells things. And he's just not. Yeah. He's selling the smokeless ashtray, which I, I don't really understand what it is. I literally think it's because, like, it's so, it's, it's got, like, a globe around it. So I think it's like you put your cigarette in, like, as you're smoking. And so the smoke won't get at it everywhere. Problem is, though, especially, like, mid-1980, who the, if you're fucking token, like, sitting there lighting up, you don't give a shit. Like, you just like, yeah, that's my smoke. Deal with it. No, at that point. Breathe it in. It's good for you. This is cool. Yeah. Um, Look at all the smoke in the air. Um, Best part about going to the, uh, like, you know, eating as a child. Smoking or non-smoking. We got to go to the smoking section because mom's got to light a cigarette up. So you got as you're eating your pizza, up pizza, Mm. hold your breath, you know, too. Like, mmm, smell all that menthol. It's great. At that time, every food was smoked. (laughs) You didn't have to put it in a smoker uh, ray thing. Yeah, you just bring it into the smoking (laughs) section for a second. Let, Let all those juices cook in there. What a time to be alive. Mm. Yeah, so I think that's why, you know, in, in this film, like, yeah, you've got Billy uh, who is sort of, like, ma- taking care of everybody. And I love, too, that Judge Reinhold comes around for a couple minutes and is very critical of Billy. He's like, you got to, you got to, you know, man up and take charge. And you can't, you, you got to go for it up, up the corporate ladder. And you can't be just taking care of your parents all the time. Like, taking care of his parents is, like, the epitome of being, like, the man of the household. Not, he's being like selfless. literally, yeah, selfless, taking care of other people. Like that's the epitome of, of uh, being like, you know, the working class. See, maybe that's why he ended up with the Mogwai because that's like a very Asian thing. The young, once your parents are the elders and can't, you know, support them, you support them. Here in America, we just shove them into retirement homes and never see them again. Oh, you can't fend for yourself anymore. Time to go to the home. Yeah, possibly. Um, so it's a Spielbergian commentary on the retirement system. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> Judge Ryan, so we get back to Judge Reinhold here. Underutilized. Unfortunately, he gets only honestly like, just like there's really no point. Like that's all they were going to use him for, and he gets like third billing in the film too. Yeah, he does. If that's all they were using him for in the film. Why even bother? You, I mean, I honestly, like, you would expect him to be in the film a lot more with that top billing that he gets. And he just shows up, you know, for a couple minutes at the beginning of the movie. What a great insult he has, too. Hey, clip-on tie. <laughs> hey, clip-on. Yeah, it's great. Because he, he's more corporate. He wears the real tie. He, he knows how to do a double Windsor. Also, I like that he's, like... Such a prick that he's not even interested in Phoebe Cates at all. Like, he's just so far above her. He already seen her boobies. <laughs> yeah. But he's just so, like, even so, like, he puts her down. He's like, oh, she's not making any money here at the bar. She's for free. He's, like, so far above her that he's not even interested well, in Phoebe I'm just curious Cates. what his job was at the bank. So is he, like, a banker? An accountant? Honestly? <laughs> I'll be he's just, I'll, because, like. This is certainly dating us, but. In a, I guess in a good way, but I don't understand what people did back then at the bank. What, what did you do? Maybe he's like the guy who a loan the officer. Books. I don't you know. know. Like I, I, I don't know because he says by the time I'm 23 and I'm already like the junior vice president of such and such, and he's like by 25 I'll be running the bank, and then by 30 I'll be a millionaire. Maybe he's the guy 
where they were like, what interest rate should we give them? Yeah, give them anything. It's fine. They're going to pay us anyway. Yeah. Why not? Money. I don't know what I don't. I honestly don't understand the bank situation. It would have been great to like if you see him being like a dick throughout the film, just for him to get like come up and Slater. Yeah, because he doesn't come up again. Yeah, he just he's gone. No more Judge Reinhold appearance. Not even in the end when, not even to get eaten by a gremlin. Dick Murray's really underutilized too. I mean, Dick Miller. Sorry, I don't know why he's in it at all. Well, to make the foreign jokes. I guess. Yeah, that's just about <laughs> it. Like, that's, that's the only reason that they get and anything from And it's a Joe Dante him. film. He's in a lot of Joe Dante films. So yeah. Like, give Dick a job. No, I, I, it would have been great to see him more, like, you know, spouting off about. He's right. the one that gives us the insight, too, about, like, yeah, the gremlins get into your machines and turns, <laughs> yeah, your, the, the turns your machines into in foreign film. things. Is that as a drunk reference from him of all all the gremlins that are in your stuff and they brought down the planes and I mean that is a World War Two myth. Yeah, that they're yeah. But I just love yeah, as you you and your wife pointed out too. Uh, and we all did so eloquently. That whole scene is like so casually like I'm gonna hop back on the tractor, drive home drunk, and like <laughs> maybe you shouldn't. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, back then, though, like, for drunk driving, and he's driving a fucking tractor, by the way. They probably wouldn't even have recognized that as a motor vehicle at that time. Know, yeah, whatever. He's driving a tractor. But, well, the sheriff would have been like, all right, I'll send the deputy to follow you home. Yeah, that's what they would have done. They would have been like, oh, wow. Murray's he's drunk again? All right. But we know why he's drunk, because he lost his job lost now. His job. You know. And that's why he doesn't like foreign stuff, because it got outsourced. Overseas markets. I do like though that the grunt when his TV's on the fridge, he's like, "Should have bought American." And then the TV channel comes back. The channel comes back on. And it's like some Spanish film. Foreign. It's <laughs> great. That was pre- you know that was pretty funny. Is yeah. Gremlins about the fear of uh, others? The fear of uh, <laughs> xenophobia. Yeah, xenophobia. It kind of seems like it though, in a way. At the end of the film, when they say you're not ready for this, and they they take back their culture. Quite literally. I mean, it does in a way seem like it is about American misunderstanding of, of uh, you know, tradition, culture, <laughs> things like that. Um, things that we haven't learned from since then. Only because we don't respect and revere things. I don't know. It's, a, it's an interesting topic. You could look at Gremlins as just a nice, fun film about <laughs> Gremlins, about monsters that come to come to life and... So what do you think of Howie Mandel as the as Gizmo? Yeah, I, I I like Gizmo a lot, just as a character. Reminds me a lot of Baby Yoda now. Uh again, like another really huge hit in pop culture. People love their fucking baby type animals. Smooshy things. They're cute. And I I hate to break it to you, but uh Yoda species just not like it's not like some pet animal it's uh they're sentient creatures <laughs> yoda was the, the grandmaster of the the jedi council when it fell to order 66 people people fucking love their baby things that's that's great yeah and i think Ari and donald does a pretty good job with the voice is uh you know obviously the gremlins themselves and they know how to speak in like really truncated english they're like 
gun. Yeah, like, or yum. Um, but I think Howie Man does does a pretty good job. He's like, um, try to try to copy him. He's like, wait, 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 It's a very shrill voice. That's pretty much it. That's like what. That's all he has to do. I think anybody could have done that job. I I don't think it was like, who do, who do we gotta get in here? Howie Mandel. The well, guy who's big, afraid of touching other people's well, hands? How, yeah, that guy. We'll say, how big of a commodity was he even in the... I don't really know. I mean, I don't I don't know if he was that huge at the time. Um, I wouldn't say, like, you needed anybody specific to do this. So, you know, for him to have voiced Gizmo, I, I think anybody could have done it. Because to be honest with you, I don't think I knew anything about Howie Mandel until either Deal or No Deal or the Taxi uh, game show that he did, too, on, like, Discovery or whatever, or A&E. Oh, really? I think it was him that did that. That was like uh, he was driving a taxi around. He'd ask you questions. Cash cab? Yes. Howie Mandel did not do cash cab. It wasn't him? No. Oh, I thought it was him. <laughs> no. Who no, was it then? Um, his name escapes me right now, but that was definitely not Howie Mandel. You didn't know Howie Mandel from until then? Not really, no. Like you didn't know him from um, the cartoon that he did? No, you're thinking of Louis Anderson. No, Howie had a cartoon too. Howie, uh, I, I can't remember what it was, but yeah, no, you didn't know before that. I don't know, probably not. No, it's he not, definitely had a career before. Uh, no, I'm not saying he didn't, but I just it never anything that never registered to you. No, because I, he's just Howie Mandel. I mean, I can tell you what Howie Mandel would never agree to drive a taxi cab <laughs> because he's a germaphobe. There's no way that he'd be driving around, like, Boston or New York City or Chicago. It was Ben Bailey for... Ben Bailey, that's who it was, yeah. Man, you <laughs> you are such a baldist. Can't recognize one bald man from another. No, but I don't... I mean, oh, I'm, Muppet Babies? Yeah, he did do Muppet Babies, didn't he? He was just random voices. I could have swore how he had a cartoon show that he did a voice on. Mm, nope, his his. You didn't. Ever, how about Little Monsters? No, no, never seen it. Oh my god, we're way off track here, but that's cr- crazy that you did. <laughs> Howie Mandel, you were like deal or no deal was the the time where you're like, yeah, Howie Mandel is a thing. <laughs> I don't it's watch crazy. it. I never really watched Dealer No Deal. No, but what I was saying is I don't really <laughs> think that we needed Howie Mandel or anybody in particular for Gizmo's voice. I don't think it, like, stands out. It's not like, wow, Gizmo's voice. He did a really good job on that one. Top voice acting performance, 1984. No, it doesn't stand out to me. Um, I do like the other Gremlins, though, especially in the one scene where he's um, going into the science teacher's lab. And we haven't seen any of the transformed gremlins yet. And he, there's the gremlin that's, like, behind the desk. And all you can hear is, like, he, you can see his hand co- reaching up and grabbing various items that he's trying to eat. And he's just saying, yun. That's a pretty creepy moment because you don't really know, especially if you've never seen the gremlins before, you don't know what they look like. Obviously, it doesn't go that route for, a, like, a creepier monster. But that that, that moment where you you haven't met them yet is sort of like a... A creepier moment in the in the movie, which I did like. Um, I think they did a good job with that, at least like getting that gravelly voice for the gremlin. What do you think of the 
John Williams lights uh the score? Score, and we couldn't get John Williams. He's a little overbooked by Spielberg at this point, so let's bring in Jerry Goldsmith. To- well, it's a pretty bombastic score. Uh, the Tippany does get some some uh, play. And, and tuba. And tuba. A lot of chimes. Xylophone. When we first see Phoebe Cates, we get a nice little wind chime trill for her. Ooh. Makes you think, ooh, girly. Um, what wonderful hair she has in this film. It's like up in the... No, not when it's up in work. Oh, I mean, like when, she, when she lets like it down. The, yeah. The down. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the soundtrack is really bombastic. Um, it's not like too it's over not, the top or in your it's face. It's not as bad as the Twilight Zone. Yeah, it doesn't... It has whimsy, but it's not too whimsical. It's not over the top in a way that really gets on your nerves. I do like the Gremlins theme. A little bit, a little farty song, but you know, it's yeah, I like that sense. Like, yeah, it's great. It's it's, yeah, it's a nice, it's a simple theme that they use, but it works Uh, because it also sounds like gremlins are singing it. Gotta like that. It would have been great if when they're like, because the um, the Mogwai sing, you know, Gizmo sings. If when Billy's sitting there playing the keyboard, like all of a sudden he breaks into like Pavarotti, like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, the Mogwai like to sing. That's part of their their species. My favorite part of the film is definitely the Christmas caroling. It's great. It's like the first part where you actually see gremlins trying to be human like. Where they're wearing human outfits. and I know. I asked you. I'm like, where'd they get those little caps and They jackets? made it them themselves. Um, anything else that we, didn't, that we didn't cover in Gremlins? Pretty much it. It's a, you know, it's a simple movie, but it's an effective one. I, I think that you know, it does what it does really well. There's a lot of movies that came out around this time that did little creatures. Uh, yet this one, Critters. Um, elves was like a straight up copy of Gremlins, um, which never really made it anywhere. But um, so you had you had a lot of films that were doing like these little puppeteering creatures uh, in very similar ways. But I think Gremlins um, has really shown through the others, even though Critters has a huge following too. Um, Might be I, that Spielberg money. Yeah, I think Gremlins is like pro- it, for for me. Gremlins is the better of all of those little creature films. I've never seen Critters, so. Oh, interesting. It's a fun movie. I, I just revisited it not too long ago, so it's a, it's a good movie still. Uh, but I think Gremlins is better. Uh, Gremlins is on the longer side at an hour and 45, but I don't think it's too long. Um, it feels like just enough time. No, I agree. I, I think, um, surprisingly, I think one of the stronger takeaways from the movie is... Uh, Overall, like the acting is really strong. You know, I think P.P. Yeah. Cates is really good. Judge Reinhold in his five minutes is really good. Dick Miller in his limited amount of time is really hilarious. Um, Zach uh, Galligan. Yes, Zach Galligan's great. He plays a really good straight man, you know. And I actually really enjoy the fact that they're adults in, in this film. Like young adults, they're in their early 20s. Like Phoebe and uh, Zach, <clears throat> instead of them being like in school, 
I think it adds like a nice like little touch to it. Um. All right, so we got to rate this on a scale of zero to ten. Kentucky harvesters, non-foreign made. I was hoping it was an international. What's that? I said I was hoping his tractor was international. Uh, uh, what would you get? That's, what, that's why Matt was saying that you weren't able to plow your driveway properly. Because they didn't have an international. You had a fucking John Deere instead of an international. Gotcha. So what would you give uh, Gremlins out on a scale of 0 to 10? I'd give it a 7.5. It's a very enjoyable film. Um, I think the acting is really good overall. I like the idea. I think it's a really smart idea. Um, it's just a really fun movie to watch. And I haven't, like I said before, I haven't seen it in a long time. I've only seen it a handful. You know, I've seen it like two, maybe three times. Mm-hmm. Um, revisiting it, I think it's, you know, enjoyable, fun watch. I wouldn't say a family film. I'd say for like family 10 and up. Otherwise, you'd probably scare the bejesus out of your children with some of the things that happen to the gremlins and some of the things that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got enough of that Spielbergian whimsy to it that's like makes it enjoyable, but at the same time, it doesn't go so far overboard like with the fuck his Twilight Zone uh, bit where it's like just so fucking annoying. I, I don't know. It's really hard to say anything. Like you know, overall, I think been a lot said about it. It's a yeah. well uh, well covered film. But I, I I overall I'm like I don't think it's like the greatest thing in the world, but it's very good. I would agree. I'd probably give it a seven and a half. I think it's a good film. Um, you know, like I said, you, you don't really think too much about it when you're watching it. It's uh it's one of those movies you can kick back, just watch, and and not really you know have to worry about thinking about it. Uh, obviously you're going to need to suspend disbelief for all the things that happen, especially later on in the film. Uh, the, the beginning part is sort of, um, more down to earth and realistic. And then once you get into actually the gremlins, uh, transforming, that's when it sort of loses the realism that it used to have. Um, and, and it kind of like really goes off the deep end with the gremlins doing human things and stuff like that. But I think for the most part, if you're not thinking about it too hard, um, it's a really fun film. Uh, the puppeteering still works really well. Um, and you know, there's not really m- that much to complain about. I think you'll have fun watching it. Um, with that said, I think that, you know, after you watch it, it's sort of a forgettable movie. You're not, it's not like going to stick in your in your mind very often. Um, except for that Christmas scene, that heart wrenching scene where Phoebe <laughs> Kate shares that her dad died. Still gets me every time. So yeah, seven and a half for both of us. I think we both agree that I, I think that's the best way to put it too. It's uh, it's a prototypical popcorn film. Oh yeah, very enjoyable to watch. But at the same time, is there a lot of things overall that you're going to be like, oh, this is why, like, this is fucking fil- you know filmmaking masterpiece. Right, you've got to see this. Yeah. you know, you, you know, no, I, I wouldn't say that. No, I think it for what the film attempts overshoots you know what it probably should have done mm-hmm. yeah i agree so what do we got next time next time um i think we got what did we say we we're doing silent night deadly night part five if we can get it silent night deadly night part mickey rooney part mickey rooney that's right it's a mickey rooney uh how'd they get him involved i don't know 
I don't know. And and this <laughs> film is actually really hard to track down. Um, really, the only way that I can find to watch it right now is through Vudu. You gotta like call up uh, Scream Factory and be like, "Where's a, where's your 4K restoration of this yeah. filmmaking it, masterpiece?" Vudu is like the only thing that I can find because like there's a I, you know what, and there may be something coming because um, Directv and Amazon had links to watch it, but then when you went to them, it said uh, this is no longer available. So sometimes when that happens, somebody has gotten the rights to it. Um, and it could potentially be in the making. Who knows? It might be coming. Uh, but right now, I, it's very difficult to find this film to watch. Um, Which is kind of amazing in today's age where everything's fucking available yeah, now. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's just not, not out there. Maybe Mickey Rooney said when he died, I want every print of this film. Burn. <laughs> Burn. Get, get rid of it. I don't know, but that's that's probably next up. And then it's Black Christmas, so a couple weeks more for Black Christmas. So, All right, thanks for listening to Blood and Black Rum Podcast and our Festivus episode. Uh, we hope to see you back next week. Uh, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, pretty much any podcasting app that you can think of. We're on it, so subscribe to us and leave us a nice review. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. We're on Twitter at Blood and Black Rum. Uh, we have an email at bloodandblackrumpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to donate to us, we do have a Patreon as well, patreon.com slash bloodandblackrumpodcast. Whatever you can donate to us is definitely appreciated. Thanks for listening. Uh, hope to see you back for our, uh, all of our other Festivus episodes. And until then, take care.